0: Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. You know, in this little season, we've been looking at what it means to live with the type of faith that makes a difference in every area of our life. The, The type of faith that when it moves and shifts through us, we are not overcome, we live life as overcomers. And I realise that talking like this can go against what might be out there in the current culture, that it's so easy to get drowned out and lose track of the fact of what God is calling us to is not what the world is calling us to. And it's okay for there to be a resistance and a difference because what Jesus has given us is the very ability to overcome the world because He overcame it in His death, burial and resurrection for us. And so there is a life available in Jesus where we can push through, persist and inherit the victories that God has made available for us. I want to talk to you today about a recipe for strength and courage. I want to talk about out of the book of Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 to begin with. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, which was a river, you and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I said to Moses. Joshua is preparing to take on his life's work. He has just recently spent an entire generation walking in the wilderness as God rose up a new generation that would have the faith and the courage to inherit the things that God's made available. But previous to that, Joshua had a Life that was held in bondage and in slavery as he lived the first portion of his life as a slave baking mud bricks for his masters in Egypt and living a life where he did not enjoy nor experience freedom in any sense of the word. Into that culture came this man Moses who was an answer to a prayer that the people finally After 400 years of living in slavery, we're crying out to God, deliver us, make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And God rose up a leader named Moses to lead the people into the promised land. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle as God did amazing things to loosen the chains of bondage over them. But unfortunately, just as every miracle was done and every physical sign of bondage was broken, they did not break the bondage of their own mentality and beliefs. And as they went in to the wilderness to go to the promised land, to step from one reality into a new, they tripped up because they actually carried their slavery with them, even though they didn't have the masses with whips hitting their backs anymore. And as they get into the wilderness, it's exposed that all they want to do is live life dependent, lost and bound. And it's into those people that God says, I want to raise up a new generation of faith, persistence and boldness. And Joshua has the amazing privilege, having done this entire journey himself from slavery to wandering to now on the edge of the precipice to enter into the promises of God. But in doing this, God challenges Joshua to do it in a different spirit to what they came out of bondage with, to bring with it a different focus, to bring with it, in my mind, a recipe that would allow the people to inherit everything that God has made available for them. This recipe was one that they were to practice and live out. And as they practice and live out, God would bring the victory as they went. It goes on to say, God speaking to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6 to 9. Be strong and of good courage. for For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a powerful promise to carry into a future. What a powerful truth to carry with you as you leave old ways of living and thinking and existing. As you even live in such a way that you want this to spread to those that around you, those that you have the ability to do life with. And it's this principle that God lays down, that you're to overcome the prevailing trend of fear and dismay. Now the word fear literally means to be harassed on every side. It's that idea of not living with any sense of rest or comfort. It's that idea that you live your life turning this way, that way, backwards, forwards, looking for problems, living your life on edge. And it's so easy to adopt that as a default mentality. But the reality is that mentality is a mentality of slavery and bondage that holds us back. It's so easy to live a life of dismay. Dismay literally means in that context to live with discourage, to have the courage leached out of you because your eyes are caught up with what's around you instead of what God's calling you to. It's so easy to live life with the base set of dismay and discouragement, overwhelming even what God has called us to do. And here in this little portion of Scripture, I believe God gave Joshua A recipe of living life with strength and courage. Strength there means to be prevailing in strength. It doesn't mean that you can just simply do a good bicep curl and flex in front of the mirror. It means the type of strength that when you put your hand to a tool, you have everything within you to complete the task with enough strength left over. It's a prevailing strength. And the idea of courage means that your heart does not melt in sight of challenges or difficulties. It's an overwhelming sense of confidence that says, I will not be stopped. How easy is it to live life out of fear and dismay rather than strength and courage? But here, God gives Joshua a recipe. Recipes are important. Recipes are vital for being able to pull out what you want to accomplish. I love to cook. I really, really enjoy it. And it's not just because I'm a better cook than Rhiannon she, she's watching online today. I love you. She does cook lasagna much better than me. But I, I love to cook. I love that sense of rhythm and flow and a little bit of this and a little bit of that and being amazed with what comes out at the end. But there's three times I've cooked something that has been inedible for me and my family. First time I made for friends who came over and visited Rhiannon and I. The most amazing Jamie Oliver hot chocolate you've ever seen, filled with double cream and dark chocolate and everything in between. That when you take a sip, you feel like you've ingested an anchor that is sinking you down to the bottom of the ocean. And we took one sip each and then tipped it out. My mistake. Just recently, I was cooking for my family and I was cooking a curry. And I realized now, after many years of cooking, that curry is one of those things that you really shouldn't make up as you go. <laughs> so I was making it up, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Who likes turmeric? Who likes a bit of garlic? Who likes a bit of ginger? Star anise that's great. <laughs> Saffron, whatever. And I put it all together and it looked really, really good. My 10-year-old son was buzzing around, looking forward to tasting it. And I remember taking a taste test myself and the moment that flavour bomb hit my lips. I gagged and recoiled, turned off the stove and called Bayside Pizza. It says, how long until you can make a family size Hawaiian? So my children were jazzed. They went from curry to pizza. They want me to stuff up recipes more and more. So there's certain things in life that it does pay to work with the right ingredients. It does even pay to introduce the right ingredients in the right way to get the result that you really want to see happen. And I'm convinced that this portion of Scripture in Joshua is God's ingredients to live a life of strength and courage. And that if we learn to apply some of the things that God has applied there in the life of Joshua and His people who are about to inherit the promises, that we too can be a people filled with strength and courage. In my mind, it breaks down to this idea that we must learn to observe to do. It says that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Observe and do. You know, I think the first ingredient to living a life that really is filled with strength and courage is one that is of obedience. I know that's not a popular word. I know that that's not something that we're running home to tell others about, that I learned in church that I should be obedient to God. But I'm convinced that a life lived, willing to surrender and follow and pursue the things of God is a life that's filled with prevailing strength and courage that does not melt in the face of opposition. And the first step before any other ingredient can be put down, is like putting down the oil As you begin to get your curry together, you've got to start with something that's going to bind everything else. And if you don't have that, you're going to burn everything to the pan. This idea, observe to do, is the thing that binds everything else together. I'm actually convinced that the Christian life, for those of us who choose to follow Jesus, is a life lived in a long obedience in the same direction a long obedience in the same direction. That's not my words, it's the words of a man named Eugene Peterson who many years ago wrote a book about that subject. He said that the Christian life is a life lived and a long obedience in the same direction. And what he's trying to unpack there in those thoughts is that a life that is victorious, a life that makes a difference is a life that is consistent, is a life that knows This makes a difference and so I'll consistently do the things that make a difference to get me in the direction that I need to get in. It's a life that is so anchored in faith that it is persistent in the resistance that it faces, that is continuous. Now all of us slip up from time to time. I'm not saying that on the journey of life we don't trip over ourselves or trip over obstacles along the way. But this life idea of living life in a long obedience in the same direction is that we allow God to pick us up. We grab hold of the grace that He's made available for us and we press on, fixing our eyes to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This man, Eugene Peterson, wrote in this book, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, talking about carrying a type of hope that actually makes a difference. Not hope that you just say, oh, I hope this works out, I hope that's gonna happen, but a literal hope that actually makes a difference to the way that we live. He says this, Hoping does not mean doing nothing. Oh, you've hit me there, Eugene. Hoping does not mean doing nothing. It is not fatalistic resignation. It means instead going about our assigned tasks, confident that God will provide the meaning and the conclusions. It is not compelled to work away at keeping up appearances with bogus spirituality, It is the opposite of desperate and panicky manipulations, scurrying and worrying and trying to make things spin on our own accord. Instead, hoping is living. Hoping is not dreaming. It is not spinning an illusion or a fantasy to protect us from our boredom or our pain. It means a confident, alert expectation that God will do what He said He will do. It is imagination put to the harness of faith. It is a willingness to let God do it His way and in His time through us. It is the opposite of making plans that we demand that God put into effect, telling Him both how and when He should do it. That's not hoping in God. Instead, it's trying to bully God. Here's how we should pray. I pray to God, my life is a prayer. I wait to see what He'll do. My life is on the line before God, my Lord, waiting, watching till morning, waiting Watching till morning. A long obedience in the same direction. A life lived that carries strength and courage is a life that is lived with a consistent expectation that if I just show up, God will show up in me. A consistent confidence that says, as I walk into my workplace where everybody is overwhelmed, I do not carry the overwhelm with me because instead I carry the spirit of the one who has overcome the world. I will not be pressured and boxed in by anybody or anything around me. Instead, I will carry with me at all times the victories of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And I will not be weighed down. I'll bring strength and courage wherever I am. The first ingredient is to observe and do. In 1 John 2.17 it says, And the world with its lusts is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. You know, I remember coming to faith in Jesus and coming into my first home church and meeting some of the amazing people who had followed Jesus for long periods of time and just being amazed at the things that God had done through them. I remember meeting along the journey a woman who taught me how to pray or taught me the power of prayer, Mrs. Soboleski, who was all of four foot four. Polish lady who had fled the after effects of World War II and the famines that had hit Poland and fled and built a home for herself and her family in my hometown. And her story after I met her, she was in her late 80s, early 90s, was that she was the very first person in my entire hometown to be filled with God's Spirit in the 1970s. She'd been praying, seeking God and God Himself filled her with His living Spirit. But in the context of that time, that was not normal. And people didn't know what to do. She was in fact ostracised from her faith community. She was ostracised from those in the street. I even heard her tell stories that when she would go down to the local market to buy fruit and vegetables, that she was not welcomed there. All because she had had this divine encounter with God that had changed and transformed her. And people didn't know what to do about it. And instead of picking up arms, instead of descending into the fear and discouragement, the dismay, Mrs. Sobolesi carried with herself a spirit of strength and courage. See, this is what she did. She picked up the mantle of prayer for my hometown. She picked up the mantle of prayer for every church that had ostracised her and kicked her out. She picked up the mantle of prayer even for her own husband who was disowning her in the process. And she gave her life to praying and seeing God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think how difficult that would have been. She didn't have any friends around her. She didn't have anybody to build her up. Her family was back in Poland, but instead she carried with herself a spirit that was prevailing in strength and overwhelming in courage. And as I got to meet her later in her life, she'd had a life lived of answered prayer. Her husband had repented and received Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. All those people that had rejected her had received her in confidence and faith. And she would point out to me, this little four foot four Polish lady, all the people in the church she had prayed for, that had breakthroughs and healings and transformation, all because God would wake her up in the night and say, pray for such and such. People whose boats had been capsized at sea, who were floating, And she was woken up in the night to pray for her. And I'd go talk to these people. These were real accounts of life's transformation. All because somebody was willing to observe and do. There's something about the do that makes a difference. Another component in this ingredient, this recipe for living a life of strength and courage, goes on when God says to Joshua to lead the people, do not turn from it. The right hand or to the left hand, that you may prosper wherever you go. You know, one of the key things I think in life is to have an ingredient in us that says, I will overcome the drift. In Hebrews 2, verse 1, it says, For this reason we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. You know, the drift is real. It is so easy to receive something, to have a breakthrough, to get to a level of life and then immediately almost forget that you lived at that state to begin with. (laughs) That it's not like we get something and we keep it and maintain it and build it. It's something that we constantly have to work on and if we drift away from the things that God has called us to, we actually get off track and we lose momentum. You know, recently my son Flynn turned four years old and he's at that age where he's just starting to get interested in different things but he's still young enough where I can buy him the things that I wish I had at that age. I don't know if parents have ever done that but I love the idea of giving my children the things that I wish I had even if they don't like it. At least until they get old enough to rationally complain about it and then you change. But Flynn turning four, we got him the most amazing present ever. We got him an electric-powered indoor ride-on motorcycle (laughs) that goes one to two kilometres an hour. When he gets up in the morning in his boxes and nothing else, the first thing he does is he goes for a lap around the lounge room. (laughs) Just the wind in his hair, (laughs) carefree attitude. I need to get in a leather jacket. And he'll just buzz around. Loving life. Until I go down to our hallways and I start to notice along each side of the hallways, there's black scuff marks that are about the size of the handlebars. Here and there and here and there. And I realise that Flynn in all his speed and determination, two kilometres an hour, somehow loses track of where he's going and somehow rams into the side of this hallway that would fit four of his motorcycles together. Bang, bang, bang. I even hear him sometimes say to himself, oh well, that's okay. (laughs) It's so easy to get caught up in the drift, to lose sight of what God has called us to and how He's called us to live sometimes we get a victory, sometimes we receive something, but we forget. It says in James chapter 1, 22 to 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets, what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not, for, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. It's a challenge to overcome the drift. And I want to say to you today that God has a direction for you. He has a purpose for you. He has something that sometimes takes time to unearth because he's often doing a work in us to get it out of us. But one of the keys is to live a life in pursuit of that and not allow the drift to cause us to lose the momentum that God would want to build into our lives. It's okay to sing out to people and be accountable and cry out and say, will you stand with me in prayer? Will you remind me? It's okay to pull aside people in your connect group and say, when I start carrying a spirit of fear and dismay, can you just remind me who I really am in Jesus? Can you just bring to it a remembrance who I really am? Because sometimes I forget. I I don't know why I forget. I don't know why it's so easy to forget, but it's like I've been looking in a mirror and I even forget how I look and we carry this life of forgetfulness and we get about what we're doing each day, fueling up, dropping the kids off, working time after time and we forget who we really are. Here's the truth, you are not a slave, you are not in bondage, you are not even walking aimlessly in the wilderness, So God is actually leading you by His Spirit into the promises that He's made available for you. If you only remember who you really are, that you are called to live life as a son of God, not a slave. You're not called to live life in bondage to the fears of the past, but instead press on to the future that God wants to create in and through you. Amen. Sometimes we need to remember that. It's so easy to forget. Overcome the drift. The next thing in this recipe, if I can submit to you, is replace the lies. God challenges Joshua, says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates in it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. This idea of meditation biblically is not an idea where we empty ourselves of everything and focus internally for our own salvation. Instead, biblical meditation is this idea that we actually come to God and we say, God, will You change me by Your Word? Will You transform me by Your Word? It's an idea that you come to God's Word, the Bible, the Scriptures, the living breath of God in them, and you come in a way where you say to God, it's me who needs to change, not you. I want you to bring me in alignment with what you've called me to be and do it for Your Word. Meditation at its core is this idea that you take the Scriptures and you replace the lies that we constantly believe about ourselves and our circumstances. Because not every thought that passes into our minds is true. Not every thought that jumps in there is reality. And that we need to bring those thoughts to bear to what God says about us and allow His reality to shape and transform us. A.W. Tozer a great Christian writer in the 1930s, 1940s said this We Christians must simplify our lives or lose untold treasures on earth and in eternity. Modern civilization is so complex as to make the devotional life all but impossible. The need for solitude and quietness was never greater than it is today. He wrote that in the 1940s where phones were anchored to the wall. The TVs had three channels, many in black and white. And the closest you could get to a podcast was overhearing the conversations done at the bus stop. And he writes that. I wonder what A.W. Tozer would write today. See, I think... The odds are stacked against us to build meditation into our lives where we take God's Word and replace the lies because it's so easy to allow distraction to rule us. But the challenge is if you want to live a life of strength and courage, you can't lose the ingredient of meditation. Here's what meditation does for me personally. And I can only submit that if it's worked for me, I imagine it would work for you. That when I find myself losing clarity and allowing fear and worry to rule me, I'm reminded of the Scripture in Philippians chapter 4 that says, Do not be anxious, but in everything by prayer and petition, let all your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I've replaced worry with those thoughts from the Bible. And I'm not saying to you that I'm perfect, but I'm saying when I recognise worry is ruling me, I've already made meditation a thought that's replacing that, that I can bring to the fore and live up to what God's called me to. Why wouldn't it work for you? Why do it work that when we begin to lose track of who we really are and start to lose our identity and get caught up in all the pressures around us that we can be reminded of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 that says, For I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That there's a way of replacing the lies with what God wants to say to us now. That when I'm reminded, when I get caught up with the harassing fears and the discouragement that God's called us to live with strength and courage that I can be mindful that God once spoke to a man named Joshua and said, this is how you carry strength and courage. God wants to speak to you through his word in a living way. It's not a textbook, it's a living book. Often what it takes is Going to God's Word and replacing the lies that we believe with His truth. My last thought with you before I open it up for prayer and begin to flow. is that the last thought that God gave Joshua is, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? God commanded. God commands. Command means to charge. means to challenge. It means to provoke. My final ingredient for living a life of strength and courage is that we would rise to the challenge. Everybody needs a challenge. Everybody needs a command to follow. See, if we're not following the commands of God, we're following the commands of a whole host of other things. Some of us, and even including myself in different times, have followed the commands of my own brokenness and selfish desires, that seeks to live out fulfilment in things that make no difference. Once they're gone, they're gone, and I'm left empty and broken. Some of us follow the commands of the world around us and think, if I just meet their expectation, everything will be fine, but the expectations are always changing. And you can never be fine in their context. That we're called to follow a command that God gives, a command of life and not death, a command of hope. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.